Alright, welcome back to another episode of Rewind and Reconsider, a podcast where we rewind our favorite childhood movies and then reconsider them. Right now, we are in the middle of our Star Wars Holiday Special, or I guess just Star Wars Special, because Star Wars Holiday Special is already a thing. Please don't sue us, Lucasfilm. Um... (laughs) I am your I'm your host Harrison Fagan. I am joined by my lovely co-host and fiance Mia Agraviador. And today, as we continue our trek through the Star Wars movies, we are going to be watching. And I know that line is going to piss people off. <laughs> um, we are going. Somebody just like cringed in their car right now and yeah. like swerved the wheel. And so I apologize <laughs> for that. Uh, but today we we just watched Solo, a Star Wars story. So if you haven't wa- listened to that, go back and listen to it. You could find us on iTunes and Spotify. Today we are going to be watching Rogue One. Uh, which is the second? Well, I guess it's. The it was the first, first anthology movie, and the like, but it's the second chronologically because it takes place after Solo and right before A New Hope. So, you know, I, I, Mia, I think I think this movie was generally well received critically, and I think most people liked it. I think it did really well at the box office. I don't really hear people say bad things about Rogue One, but even amid that. You stand out as probably the biggest Rogue One fan I have ever met. So let's just, I mean, this is not like thinking about a childhood movie because obviously this came out much more recently. But what are your kind of thoughts on this movie? What do you remember really liking about it before we rewatch it again? And I guess, do you think it's going to hold up? Just answer them all. So I actually watched this movie twice in theaters because I was such a stan. And um, I watched it first with someone uh, okay, well, I watched it first with my ex, and then <laughs> the second I I watched it with my dad because I dragged him to it. He's not even a Star Wars fan, and um, he I told him I was like, "This is such a good movie, you have to see it." And he's like, "Okay, okay," and he actually ended up liking it. And he it. probably was like, "This is a weird Justice League spinoff. Where's Batman?" <laughs> yeah, um, I remember just really liking the story of this and having this movie take such a dark turn towards the end. It's just not something that you would expect from a Disney slash Star Wars. Well, maybe from Star Wars, but with Disney being the lead of it, you know what I mean? Maybe, but also The Empire Strikes Back had a really dark ending. And yeah, but like, that wasn't even though there was Disney. some hope left. Yeah, you're, you're right. It, it was a very bold choice for the first uh, like Star Wars movie to kind of lead into the Disney new era and the, the era of anthology films. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I remember really, really liking it as well. And I just think that kind of like, not in the same way that Solo does, because it, it Solo was a lot more like Easter eggy about this. This but it does. serious. This is pretty serious. And it also fills in a lot of the gaps and a lot of the plot. They basically made a whole movie to address plot holes in Star Wars A New Hope, which... I mean, you all—you honestly kind of have to respect how seamlessly they made a lot more of that movie make sense. And so I'm curious to watch these two back to back and especially just watch this one again while looking for a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I think this movie really adds to the original series because it really gives a lot more meaning to the next movie um, going into the original series. And I think it gives, you know, you have that in the back of your mind say, thinking like, wow, a lot of people died to get this Death Star plan to Princess Leia and... So I think it just it's really interesting to see that emotional impact now watching that and then watching the next movie. Yep, absolutely. I'm gonna, let's go watch it. Let's go cry. I'm ready. All right, and we just 
watched Rogue One. Definitely just watched it. Did not watch it five days ago and then just not have time to record this podcast until now. Um, but I, I think my thoughts are still pretty fresh on the movie. Mia, I know your thoughts are because you said that you were ready to do the 60-second summary, which is our recurring segment where we summarize the entire movie in 60 seconds. And um, you're going to do that for Rogue One. Okay, yeah, definitely. I'm definitely ready. I definitely was not caught off guard just now. I, I can do it. I can do it. Okay, all right, let's hear it. <laughs> Wait, are you going to time me? Yeah. Okay, ready? Three, two, go. So we start off on a planet that's a rainy planet, and it's a mom and a dad and a little girl, and these Imperial people are coming in, and the dad's like, no, go hide, and then the little girl hides, and then uh, they take the dad, who is uh, Galen Urso, that's his name, and they're like, we need you to build something, and he's like, I don't want to, and they're like, too bad, and then they killed his wife, and then she runs, the Jin Ursa, the little girl, runs away, she hides in a hole, and then Force Whitaker comes, and he's like, let's go, um, explore the galaxy together, and then uh, cuts, but jumps forward to Jin Ursa, she's like in a prison camp thing. First flash forward in Star Wars history. Yeah, sure, and um, so then she gets uh, hijacked, and they're like, come, you're gonna be in the rebellion, and she's like, I don't want to, they're like, well, too bad, because your dad is building a Death Star. So she goes and meets uh, all the rebellion people, and there's a hot um, uh, Mexican man named Cassian, or Cassian, <laughs> and uh, he's like, I'm gonna be your buddy. And she's like, okay. And he's like, oh, I also have a sassy robot. And the sassy robot's like, I don't like you. And Jinnersal's like, doesn't matter. So they go to Jeddah, which is this like sand planet, and they have to get. Um, uh, Forrest Whitaker to uh, there oh there's a pilot there's a pilot and he is an empire pilot and he deflects and he's like I'm gonna go save the world and I have a message from uh the the the, the, <laughs> the bad guys yeah and so they have to go find that pilot and um they finally find the pilot and then they uh get the message but Jin Ursel's the only one that saw it because the Death Star comes and uh explodes the planet and they escape. Not the planet, just that one part of it. Oh, just that one part of it. They escape and then they go to another planet because the his, her dad's there and they want to go talk to him and then he dies and they're like, Oh no and then um the rebellion's like, We don't believe you, uh we don't want to pursue this and then Jin Ursel's like, Screw you, I'm gonna do it. She grabs a bunch of people they call themselves Rogue One. They go to another planet. Um, I forgot the name. is a bunch of palm trees and stuff. And then they go and fight. And then um, they uh, send the Death Star plans to um, uh, the Rebellion before the entire planet blows up. And then they all die at the end. Okay, so that was 2 minutes and 12 seconds. Uh, so you went a little over the 60 seconds. But you did a pretty good job, I think, mostly summarizing the plot of the movie. I just want to say it was a bold choice. To go scene by, basically shot by shot on the intro flashback to Jenner's childhood while still trying to fit it within 60 seconds. I think he used about 40 on that, so that was good. Um, also, he, the pilot defected from the Empire. What did I say? You said deflected. Same thing, right? Not exactly. Um, <laughs> so... I don't know. I, I, you know, your summary I think hit on almost all the major plot points actually. So, so. this movie was basically made to explain why there was such a glaring 
error on the Death Star because in a, in a New Hope, they there is a spot in the so the Death Star is a basically yeah. There's the thermal exhaust port, and they fi- Luke fires the proton torpedoes down that, and it blows up the whole Death Star. Okay, there was a bunch of words I don't understand, but the Death Star, um, if you remember, is a giant planet that destroys other. It's not planets. a planet. It's a space station. It's a space planet. It's like the interact. It's like the International Space Station, but with a laser on it. Yes, but it's basically blow up the planet. planet size. Yes. Okay. No, it's like moon size. Okay, so it blows up planets, and then because in- Obi Wan, he's like, "That's no moon." Okay, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. And then Anakin says, "Now that's pod racing." Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but anyways, I think that was a big thing that people were always saying. They're like, "Why would they make a big thing and then have that one thing?" You know. Yeah, I mean, it really up. it shows honestly it shows Disney's commitment to the Star Wars brand and they buying down. it and valuing it. They definitely They're doubled like, down. We are going to invest millions, maybe close to. Bi- it didn't cost a billion dollars to make this movie, but I'd guess about half a billion. It was probably like five hundred million. That seems to generally be like the big budget blockbuster budget at this point. Sure. For most movies, it made a lot of money, but like I'm just saying, that shows a lot of commitment to invest that many millions of dollars to just be like, uh, uh, uh. New Hope actually makes sense with the thermal exhaust port thing because it was intentionally put there by a guy who didn't want to work for the Empire building the Death Star but was the only one that could do it and knew they would force him to do it anyway. So he pretended to be willing and just built this giant glaring flaw into it that then he he then leaked to the Rebels so that they could go and blow it up. And, you know, it does... it, it new, A New Hope... Actually, I think I mean we're, we still have to watch that this week for the for the next pod. But I, I think you know just my gut feeling is that it makes it make a lot more sense. It also makes it a lot more impactful because yeah. you see how much people had to struggle and how many people in the toll in human lives that it cost just to even give them a shot at destroy at even knowing that this thing exists and destroying it. You know, and so it makes all of the, I am I imagine it makes New Hope even more tense when you watch it, like, after watching this. Yeah. And it actually basically just leads right into that movie. It does. Um, because Leia, the, one of the final scenes is Leia escaping from Darth Vader in her blockade runner ship, uh, like, the, you know, that you see in the very first shot running from Darth Vader's Star Destroyer in A New Hope. And yeah. so and it, it's it, basically it, like, you know, it's a previously on, essentially. Yeah, so I think the Rogue One was basically set, um, a couple days before A New Hope starts. I don't even know if it's days. I think it might be hours. Like, because Leia jumps to hyperspace and then Darth Vader's No, but everything her. leading up to it are yeah. a couple days. Yeah. And it's funny because now that watch, I remember in uh, New Hope, I think Darth Vader finally catches her, right? Yeah, the first scene. Yeah, okay. And she just blatantly lies to him. And it's like, when you watch Rogue One, it's like Darth Vader literally sat there and watched her escape. And she just lies to his face. It is kind of funny. That She's is- like, oh, no, I don't know what you're talking That was different Alderaan ship. What? That was- no. <laughs> How dare you, sir? That <laughs> um, makes her more badass, it though. It also, it explains why um, the, the soldiers at the beginning of A New Hope are, like, so terrified when Darth Vader walks into the ship. Because you see what he just did at the end of this movie. We did, You didn't mention him in the summary. But Darth oh, Vader, yeah, this- low-key the star of this movie. Um, in like every single piece of screen time that he gets, he Darth Vader was there, but like for a couple reasons, he was there to make dad jokes, saber rebels, and raise his children, and he was all out of children. So <laughs> he just, you know, I, I I really enjoyed. I did not. I remember it was a surprise that he was in the movie because they didn't really show him no, in the trailers, didn't. if I no. remember correctly. And that last scene, honestly, that last scene, I think that is 
the best Darth Vader scene throughout the whole franchise. It's definitely the most menacing, where he's just walking through the, like, rebel ship as it's escaping, just straight up just lifting guys, holding them against the ceiling while sabering others, just casually yep. slashing that dude as he walks by. Yeah, it's And insane. they're all just, like, trying to shoot at him, have no chance. Yeah. Um, yeah but, and he, then you never see that again. <laughs> no, yeah, and then, like, you know, they go back to 70s-level special effects for the original trilogy, yeah. so... It's you fine. Know, it's it's fine. okay. They were groundbreaking for the time, and I imagine they will still hold up. But we should talk about more than Darth Vader, because this movie is not just about him, although I think that he was one of the stars and a really, really cool part of it. And yeah, and like I respect large... the fact that they actually used James Earl, James Earl Jones and then didn't try to do Anakin's voice from the prequels. Oh, that would have... No, that would have been stupid. I, been I feel like... Stupid. Yeah, I mean, bringing James Earl Jones... I don't think that you can do that with, like, Hayden Christensen. <laughs> no. Just, like, oh, why did you bring in... Like, why do you bring me these Death Star problems? I don't want to deal with this. Padme's dead! Yeah, it wouldn't fit. So, anyways, yeah. let's get into what we liked about this movie. Okay, go ahead. Um... I mean, watching this again was still... I remember first watching it in theaters. I watched it twice in theaters. Uh, the first time I was quite blown away on how mature this movie is. Mm -hmm. It is not for kids. No, it's honestly the it first... Not. <laughs> it's the first very adult Star yes, Wars there's movie. There's nothing cute about this movie. There's nothing... Uh, K2SO is like... A little bit, but it's yeah, not I mean, like, he's sassy, but not in a way that kids are going to get. No. This yeah. is definitely for more of the adult fans. Yeah. But I, I respect that because it, it takes it there. No, it's a Star Wars made for people who grew up watching Star Wars. Yeah. And are now adults and ready for a more adult, darker story. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I like the fact that they did subtle hints to the movies, but it wasn't like in your face like, hey, we're going to pause and look at the, the camera. Like, hey, remember this? You know, it's like subtle, like... It's very, like, lived in, as what you said. You know, it's just part of the story. It's not something, like, Easter eggy or anything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, there were moments where there were definitely Easter eggs, but it all was worked into the plot very yeah, seamlessly. it's not just, like, a throwaway. And the other thing, that, I mean, and this is the benefit of making the movie set before the original trilogy, is they don't have to do gymnastics to be like, oh, Luke just left, but he was telling us, you know, so-and-so yeah, and so-and-so. So. Like, they don't have to do that because none of these characters are significant yet. Like, yeah. other than Princess Leia, and even she like is not someone that those rebels would know mm -mm. like she or they I mean they might have heard of her but she's not someone that they would know personally yeah is super involved with the rebellion or work with closely or whatever yeah I think this movie has more freedom because these characters aren't based on anyone we know so they yeah. could kind of just build on whatever they want. What's, I think They're the all original. We don't see any of them in any other thing. Other than Saw Gerrera, who is the first character to actually make the jump from animation to live action. Okay. In terms of, uh, like, he went from Clone Wars to... So please explain Saw Gerrera. Saw Gerrera is the Force Whitaker character. Yes. So he was a... I believe he was, like, someone that was helping lead a resistance against the Separatists during the Clone Wars. And eventually, obviously, became a rebel um, at some point, like, on his planet. And I, I'm not I'm not super familiar with the Clone Wars. I just know that much. Uh, and then, you know, they cast the adult version of him as Forrest Whitaker. And uh, just as, like... I think that he... His character and Cassian Andor really showed... That's the, uh, the sexy uh, Latino man. Yeah. And it... it yeah. <laughs> it really showed, like, like it goes back to this adult theme of this Star Wars. And I, I think that it did something that, like, a big theme of Rogue One to me was that, like, the, the original trilogy and the prequels 
very often just paint the prequels a little less so the original trilogy was very much like this they paint things in very much black and white yeah. light side literally light side versus dark side yeah there is mustache twirling evil with no like emotional motivation behind it no other than like mwahaha conquer the galaxy and there are people who are like but we want to do good um and this movie shows that you do not get to build a rebel alliance and have a successful, you know, it, like, rebellion against the Empire yeah, without having to do some bad things. You can't make a cake without breaking some eggs. Yes. And, like, there, sometimes you have to do bad things to do good. And, like, it's it's just a movie of imperfect heroes in a series that is mostly defined by unsaleable ones, like, at least morally. And, like, I just appreciated that right off the bat, one of the fir the first scene you see Cassie and Andor, he literally shoots someone in the back because yeah. they're going to be a liability to him. Yeah, this he guy broke his leg and he's like, you're he can't dead help, weight. <laughs> he can't help them escape and he doesn't want them to talk about what he's discovered. So he just shoots him. Yeah. And you can tell he doesn't feel good about it. But he but, has to do it. And he goes on later in the movie and he talks about that he's been part of this rebellion since he was four years old. I'm very curious to learn more about that in the upcoming TV series yes, that he's going to get. Diego Luna is coming back for a spinoff series. I am very happy my heart sings every time i see his face yes watch it on disney plus this show is brought to you by disney plus <laughs> they don't they don't sponsor us but i am curious and but they in very limited screen time for a lot none of these people got tons and tons of screen time but they made it all count and yeah. the dialogue was very punchy it made you feel like you knew these people even though you were only getting to meet them for a little over two hours mm -hmm. uh, and like over the course of days plot wise um and it's just like you meet them right at the beginning of this and by the end of it they're dead and yeah. it just like it it shows you that like not it, it, i think it, this movie took great pains to show you that not everyone matters for their entire life sometimes you matter a lot for a very short time mm -hmm. and i just thought that it was like it, it was just so different yeah. than anything else star wars has done definitely in terms of there are no jedi in this movie there are no um i mean they mentioned the force but yeah they mentioned the force but like even the guy who is kind of jedi like and maybe who knows maybe he is force sensitive and they'll go into that later at some point that's but, the um the blind character yes and i believe his name is donnie yen i think and i think he's, yes is it donnie yen i believe so yeah donnie yen um, and then his, uh, husband was, um, Wen Yang. His husband, yeah. I don't, I'm not sure that that's canon, but I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let you have it. it. I'm okay. making it. So, right. so Donnie Yen is actually a pretty prominent, um... TV actor. No, he was in that movie. I, I heard it was very good. Um, IP Man. Every IP Man. One, two, and three. Um, anyways, so he is a blind kind of monk-like uh, character that... Who is supposed to be guarding this original Jedi temple on Jeddah, but, like, it's obviously been taken over and stripped, so he's left with not very much left to do. Yeah, but, um, wow, his action scenes were quite badass. Yeah, he honestly had cooler action scenes than most of the Jedi that they showed in Holy any of these movies. Yeah, well, yeah. he's a martial artist, too. Yeah. But, I mean, he, they really incorporated that, and I think it's really cool... And then also he has his companion who has just like a giant machine gun and basically... Yeah, that dude lugs around that giant jetpack <laughs> yeah. or a backpack full of ammo the entire movie. And like, man, his back had to be hurting by the end of that. Like yeah. he was probably ready to be one with the force by the end. Yeah, yeah. But I like their dynamic between them. It's very... It was very funny and it seemed like a very like odd couple situation. Yeah, so... 
so obviously, like in this movie, they they had to steal the Death Star plans. They went up against a new another new character, Director Krenich, um, to do that. And I also thought that it was just like. Yeah, I, I thought that it was cool that, like, even though we're seeing these other characters, like Grand Moff Tarkin, who looked like a video game cutscene, yeah. they did not do the best job on that scene. They tried. They know? tried. It was it was strange. It, it was a little uncanny. Seems like Valley. graveyard robbery. Yes, but I'll allow it just because, you know, if, if you want to factor that character in, it would have been weird to recast him. So I think they probably made the best choice they could have. Um,. You know, because we've seen that recasting with Solo doesn't always work and make a compelling case either. Absolutely not. But, like, it was cool just to see this, like, other side. It was cool to see the Imperial scheming behind the scenes and all these guys, like, grabbing for power. And Grand Moff Tarkin taking the Death Star away from yep. him because he wanted to claim credit for that for yeah. himself. Yeah, he's like, wait, and no, I, 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 he's like, nope, that's, He's like, that's okay, me. but you messed up the security of it, so now it's mine, I have to take over. Yeah, like, you could tell that the Empire is just, like, they're just complete dicks a to each other. A bunch of squabbling warlords, yeah. Exactly. They're not smart. I mean, they are smart, but it's just like no one trusts each other. But they, then again, the rebellion doesn't trust each other either because Jyn Erso comes and says like, hey, um, my dad just told me because she sees the hologram of her yeah. dad saying that, you know, all these plans and stuff like that. And she she's the only one that sees it. And so she goes to the, the council and the council has to vote on it again, you know, through all that red tape. And they're like, sorry. It just shows you how dysfunctional all this stuff is. And so often in these movies, the protagonists just like everybody just listens to them because they're doing the right thing. Right. Whereas like this showed that sometimes getting what you want, even if you are clearly in the right, is not always an easy thing. Yeah. And like their original plan, they, they got really lucky to get these like because their original plan never would have worked. Mm -hmm. Like when they landed there, they needed all that back up that they ended up getting from all the rebels that sacrificed their lives and came later like um because like they they were probably they were massively outgunned they probably wouldn't have made it without the distraction of the rebels like flying into the system yeah, and they starting finally, to attack yeah the they finally base. were like oh maybe we should go and help them because <laughs> yeah because i mean jen took the initiative she was like i don't care what you say i'm gonna go do this because i know in my heart, that it's like, the right thing. It's the right thing to do, and we have to do this. And so she just goes, and I think that's really cool. And it makes all of their deaths a lot more impactful. Oh my god! Because I know. they did, they had no idea if it would work. Mm -hmm. It's not like Obi Wan, where he's clearly holding off Vader just long enough that Luke can get away, and he knows that it's probably going to save the rebellion, and he's going to come back as a Force ghost, and no, it's all going to be fine. Are dead. Like these people are dead, dead, and it makes their like sacrifice like a lot more impactful but, oh like, yeah we just they had no idea if it would work even it, in the last scene when like the imperial like or the, when the death star fires its beam down on uh i'm blanking on the planet's name god right i know now. i me too scarif scarif yes yeah so the beach, what, the beach planet so when the Death Star fires its laser down on Scarif, and they're waiting to die, basically. Uh, Jen and uh, and Cassian are sitting on the beach, and they're like, do you think it got through? And she's like, I have no idea. No, she said, I think so. But they don't and know. It was, yeah, but they were, rebellions are built on hope. And by the end, they had finally, like, developed a sense of hope. And they were just hoping. But they were hoping. And it makes it, like, even more sad, because they, they ended up dying having no idea if they would end up saving the rebellion and you know if she would end up like fulfilling um saw Guerrera's last words to her save the rebellion save the dream she didn't know if it had worked her dad she didn't know if her dad's sacrifice had been yeah. worth it and it just makes it hit a lot harder when oh all God. these people are sacrificing themselves for each other because they're just continuing to like 
take these chances and risk their own lives and end their own lives, having no idea if it was going to work, and just because they wanted to do the right thing. And it almost makes like the it makes the original trilogy, I think, hit a lot harder too, just in the sense of like you know all these people on the ground are kind of like this too. They're just they have no idea if they're just going to be cannon fodder in a meaningless war, but they think that they're doing the right thing, and so they want to go out there and do it, even if they have to sometimes not do perfect, amazing, nice things. Yeah. On the route to that. Yeah. Oh man, this. Ugh. Especially towards the end, I was in tears. Um, I was there anything you didn't like about this movie, or is there anything else that you want to go over that you specifically liked before we just hit on final thoughts, larger themes? Um, I like the fact that even this, even though this was a Disney movie, that everyone died. <laughs> like, yeah. It really. It is a Star Wars story start to end well it's funny because i remember it was either one of the writers or one of the directors i but i vaguely remember this said after the movie came out oh yeah we just wanted to kill them all off so that it could so they wouldn't be getting their own spin-offs it wasn't like oh how does this connect to whatever we wanted a self-contained story and then i just think that it's funny that a couple years later we're getting a cassian andor show because i'm not complaining yeah Um, no neither am i it's just funny uh that like (laughs) you know sequelitis and spin-off itis in the disney interconnected universe. Everyone's always alive. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> always alive. Everyone's always going to get their own TV show. Yeah. Like, But yeah. I think he deserves it. Um, yeah, so do I. I. I'm just saying. Yeah, Um. I know I heard that the... I think the either the director or the writer had to fight because I think they wanted... I think Disney wanted... They like, wanted a happier ending. Yeah, and he was like, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah, and I, I think it's great. It, it just... I, I think that this is... Other than... um, I guess Revenge of the Sith has a pretty... You know, bittersweet ending, I guess, at best. Uh, it's a pretty is, dark ending. This is pretty This dark. has a pretty dark ending. Um, I guess uh, episode five, Empire Strikes Back, has a pretty dark ending. Where, yeah, but this uh, is very dark. Yeah, but this is definitely the darkest, where every single main character in this movie, even the main villain, like, all of them just die. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, it, I think it hit harder because of that. Um, fun fact, I think the either director wanted Diego Luna to not have a Mexican accent in the movie because and Diego Luna fought that because he's all like, you know, there's hasn't been a Mexican American or Mexican Latino descent person in Star Wars. And I want to have someone to have that representation. So good for him. Yeah, no, this was a very uh, this was a very like diverse and non-traditional star. Like the original trilogy is just all white people. Yeah. And like this <laughs> one is basically like all minorities. There's a woman in a central role like um, and yeah, I, I just it was very it's just a very different the, Star Wars movie. Yeah, and, uh, every single cast member makes an impact. We didn't even talk enough about K2SO and his sassy dry humor and like how like he steals basically every sing- single scene that he's in. Um, yeah, he's been the best robot so far. CP3O who? I yeah. don't know her. <laughs> C3PO. Whatever. I, I don't know C- why you're incapable of <laughs> saying letters in the right order. I think it's letters and numbers I get mixed up. Okay. Sorry. That might be dyslexia, so I feel bad for making fun of you now. <laughs> um, so what did you not like about this movie? Because I feel like that's impossible to not like this movie. There's nothing that Try I me. just straight up didn't like. I, I think um, a lot of people complained about the Darth Vader dad jokes, but just go watch the original trilogy. He makes dad jokes in the original Explain trilogy, Explain the dad too. joke that he made. 
Well, he he just randomly, movie. as he's walking away from Krenich, when Krenich is complaining to him, he's like, oh, I want an audience with the Emperor, Grand Moff Tarkin stealing my Death Star. I worked so hard. And, uh, Darth <laughs> and he stamped his foot, too. He's like, mm. <laughs> Yeah, basically, he's like throwing a little temper tantrum. And Darth Vader is walking away at this point, and all of a sudden, you just see Krenich start to choke. And you see Darth Vader turn around, and he's like holding his hand behind his like chest in the choke Thing. And he's like, be careful not to choke on your ambition, Director Krenich. And then you hear this, like, kind of a Yeah, thing. and, <laughs> like, people were like, oh, why is he, like, just sitting there making dad jokes? He's a dad! Like, yeah, well, number one, he's a dad, so don't <laughs> insult his right to make dad jokes. And no, even if he doesn't know that he's a dad, he was almost, he knows he was almost a dad. Yeah. He may think his kids are dead, but, um, like, he, he, he has a right. And if you watch the original trilogy, we should just have a Darth Vader's dad joke of the movie segment <laughs> as we go through and watch these original trilogy at once as far as what i actually so i enjoyed that i i thought it was kind of fun i i have character. a theory that george lucas was like let me write one line they're like fine george it's your franchise do whatever you want right. just one line just though. one line you can't write Pick anything wisely else. yeah and he picked that so. um yeah, and so uh, the only thing that I didn't like was, like, it just the Grand Moff Tarkin CGI was just, like, not the greatest. Um, yeah, I think they used him a little too much. I feel like with that kind of CGI, use it sparingly. Yeah, they definitely should have had him, like, facing away for most of his scenes. Like, <laughs> looking out at the galaxy and whatever, or, like, done body, as much the body double work as they could do. But they were they were zooming in on his face a little yeah, too much. Yeah. And it just, they were, too, I think, a little too proud of the CGI. When it, it looked really good, did. but it was, like, in that Uncanny Valley. It was of. very Uncanny Valley. That's the right word. It just, it looked like a high-level Xbox 360, like, <laughs> PS4 cutscene type thing. But he's thing. not in the movie... As much, though, he's not, like, a big, big I character. thought, for whatever reason, the Leia CGI was less jarring to me. That yeah. looked a little more realistic. So, I think before Carrie Fisher died, she did give her blessing to have her young face be kind of, like, you know, reconstructed. Yeah. Um. Also, fun fact, I watched Rogue One for the second time, I think, the day after Carrie Fisher died. And once I, that hit that scene, oh, man, I was in tears. So, I was still in tears um, at that scene, too. Yeah, I guess like there, there's nothing else that I really just didn't like yeah, outright. This is a flawless I, I think it was Star Wars. It's movie. not flawless. I, I think it, it was a it's little flawless. heavy-handed to do the cameo of the two guys that Luke later meets in the cantina. Oh my, okay, that Obi Wan chops off one of their arms. They just ha happen to be on Jeddah and they run into them there. Whatever. Uh, you know that was kind of like okay, whatever. <laughs> like you're you want to wink to the audience. That's okay. Um, I, I thought, like, just in terms of going back to, like, the tone of the darkness and whatever, like, even Jen and Cassian are killing rebels during that scene on Jeddah when they're trying to escape the street fight. Like, Cassian straight up kills a couple rebels during that scene because they're threatening where Jen is sitting and he's more concerned about their mission. Like, he was very much rebel black ops and he was willing to do whatever it took to get the mission done. I well, thought they really even the rebel, that. the rebel guy, who, I don't know who what kind of what order he's in but like whatever the guy that was talking to him before he's all like hey cassie and just letting you know like you, we're not you're gonna like kill. everything that we just said to jen about saving her dad yeah, we're gonna kill lie him. snipe him yeah he's um just like just do it just and, take him out and like it shows that he's in that like soldier mentality where he's just like okay orders are orders you know yeah um but yeah so yeah i i guess um the, the only other stuff like that i just wanted to like make note of was like i, I thought um you know, all the stormtrooper deaths, like, they're very much cannon fodder in this movie, and it's, like, gleefully done. But it is, it's still a little sad, like, to me, that all these, uh, like, obviously, they're working for an evil force, but, like, they're getting shot up. Like, most of these guys are conscripts, we know at this point. I mean, they, I and, hope they have good, like, health insurance for their families, you know? 
Yeah, I don't <laughs> think the Empire probably um, did a whole gonna, lot nope. of that. And I also just think that it continues to be funny that every single Star Wars planet just has, like, one defining trait. Yeah. Like, Coruscant's <laughs> the city planet. You know, um, like, uh, I'm uh, Scarif is the beach planet. Scarif is Hawaii. It's the Hawaii of, uh, of the, the tropi- Empire. The tropics, basically. Yeah, and they, they have their database thing there, and everybody walks around in armor for some reason. That can't be comfortable. Yeah. You know, like, Jeddah is another desert planet that's just desert. Um, Sun and desert. That's it. Yeah, the planet the Jen grows up on originally. Is rain just, planet. It's just the rainy grasslands planet. Yeah. And, like, every Mustafar is just the fiery lava planet. And, mm-hmm. like, every single planet just has one defining geographical or weather trait. Mm-hmm. And that's just what it is. I love it. It's the whole thing. It's consistent. Yeah. It's it, <laughs> Unlike Earth, with that, which has many different climates, it turns out every other planet in the galaxy. Just one. Just one. Yep. Yeah. I mean, people... Get... So you got to take vacations to other planets yeah. versus just somewhere else on yours. Well, there's so many. It's like, you know, you have to choose. Um, so wrapping this up, I think this is a pretty good addition to the Star Wars uh, lore. Yeah, it even explains how Luke gets his call sign in uh, in episode four because Red 5 dies during this movie. They make oh. a big note of that and that's who Luke takes over for. He get, They're like, all right, you're going to be Red 5. That's so. yeah, that's quite clever. Um Anyways, uh, where it was, it was beautifully shot and scored oh, as well. Yeah. I think. Oh, so I guess um, the composer who was Michael Giacchino, which fun fact I have met him because his uh, niece went to my high school. He also did um, the Mia's score for name Up. drop of the week. The, the score for Up. He also won an Academy Award for that, and I met him. He also did the score for Lost, the TV show. And when I met him and shook his hand, I said, "Hello, my name's Mia, and I'm a Losty." And my friends never let me. Never let that down. <laughs> My hands were yeah, I'm sweaty. embarrassed for you. I know. <laughs> um, anyways, he did the score and he made sure to kind of tie in the, um, there's a whole video on it, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of notes of the original score yes. in these songs, but they're still clearly different. Yes, which I think is a nice touch to it. Yeah. Um, anyways, so. The, this yeah. movie and Solo also continue to do a better job of showing how ugly war is. Sure. Like from the ground. Solo shows it. You know, when he's on that planet and fighting for the Empire, it just shows how gross and gritty it is. And, like, you know, I, I think this job did, too, whereas a lot of the Lucas films just kind of glorify it and they make it seem, like, really cool and there's lasers everywhere and, you know, you just get to shoot the bad guys and whatever. Like, these movies showed that, yeah, but you know what happens, too? Like, sometimes you get shot. And yeah, sometimes like you're bleeding everywhere as you get shot especially already. Especially New and, Hope where, like, a whole entire fucking planet blows up and, like, no one sheds a tear. Yeah. Like, well, I guess that's no, Obi Wan shakes a little bit. It's like, well, a quote. <laughs> that's it. A lot of it. people just died. <laughs> oh, better move on. <laughs> yeah, and Leia almost cries. Yeah, almost. But she's a badass. Yeah, she doesn't. She's like, I'm not gonna let Darth Vader see me cry. She's gonna be mad. <laughs> I will have my revenge, and she got it. She, she got did. her revenge. She did. Yep. Damn right. Anyways, uh, so uh, our next movie obviously is A New Hope. We are getting, we are entering the original trilogy. Yes. Will it outdate itself? Probably. No, I don't think so. I, I honestly think these movies are going to hold. We'll talk about this when we get to those podcasts. But. Uh, subscribe can... on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. And find us on Twitter and Instagram. Just look it up. And uh, give us a shout out if you want to. Mio like is going to start putting Twitter and Instagram in the bio for these shows. So that's where you can find it. Yes, I am. Yeah. That was the plan. Yep. <laughs> Anything else you want to say to the viewers, babe? Listeners? Viewers? Listeners? No. Okay. We, we need to come up with a nickname for our show listeners. That's the only thing. Uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Rewindies. Sure. <laughs>